voices a little bit, make the make the station a little livelier with variety. All the hits and variety. <laughs> Why 105? Well, we're rolling. All right. We are rolling. Take two. News, talk, sports, and Paul Harvey. All right. WMA. <laughs> Paul Harvey, rest in peace. Yeah. He's gone now, isn't mm-hmm. he? Was he a radio guy, couple, too? A couple years ago? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you should Google that. Oh, oh my God, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I have to do this. Yeah. He was on the radio for like 100 years. Yeah, he did like a syndicated one minute or maybe it was a two minute or three minute you know Paul Harvey. opinion type thing but it was more folksy it wasn't all political it was just good common sense very american very pro-american very you know paul old, harvey old school vibe. good day isn't that what he said sign off yeah yeah what city was he in i think he was national he was national. Oh, he was syndicated. Okay, okay. So we, he was like, uh, I'm blown dude, away. Uh, we, on, we paid a, so Who's the countdown on Sundays? Casey Kasem. Casey Kasem, yeah. yeah. So it was like, Is that still around? He, he I died, think he too, died right? a few years ago. Yeah. I think yeah. it's uh, C- Seacrest. Dick Clark. Yeah. Brian Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest. 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 That's Ryan. right. That's Seacrest. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then we were the first, eight, one of the first stations, to, probably one of the first 200 stations in the, in the country to be a Rush Limbaugh. You know, carry Rush Limbaugh because we converted to, to we did a lot of local talk and then the national talk shows became very very popular. Rush Limbaugh, what Rush a character! Mm-hmm. He's the one that what he got thrown off the air or something. Mm-hmm. He made one comment and or was he the? He's, I mean, he's had a few sexual harassment things too and like pill problems and shit like that. I think he died. <laughs> he killed he, the guy. Didn't he die? He, Rush Limbaugh? No, I'm just kidding. I think he died a few years. Oh, ago. did he? Mm-hmm. I think. Well, rest in peace for him, too. R.I.P. R.I.P. Okay. You let me know when we're... <laughs> oh, we're ready to go. We're, we're going to... Oh, should I, I get my... Uh, I brought I brought two different books, actually, as props. Should I go get those? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, no, no. No worries. I'm going for Supreme Laid Back today. Was a dry heave? <laughs> Could have been. You look pretty relaxed. Yeah, I had two sessions, like cardio hard ones today, and then uh, did the sauna after the second one and smoked a little weed. So, yeah, I'm pretty relaxed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like, I don't know if I sound, do I sound? Is it noticeable in my voice? Because nah, it's like kind of scratchy. Right. You sound all right. I'm sure I'm going to have my... I didn't notice it last time. But you sound fine now. I think I'm worse today than I was the other day. Well, wow. you can do that Sunday, Sunday, Sunday thing, you know, I'm with a, more raspiness. Yeah, I, it's it's yeah. definitely like my yeah. It'll be good. Vocal cords are shredded up or something. <laughs> I'm coughing, coughing all night. So, all, uh, right. all right. Well, let's uh, rock and roll. So, we we talked about this the other day. You guys have uh, something unique and common uh and that is that your son was born in the same hospital as rain here but the backstory behind that is like we're not from like we just met here in florida the other day and they were only there for like what a few months two years oh two almost, years almost two years but when i was in Still a short that, period of time. pretty much when i was my joel yeah my junior and senior year high schools when they were so he was born in the same hospital when I was still living there in high school, and then I just met them out here randomly. Springfield, Willamette, Oregon. Will- Willamette Hospital, yeah. Willamette Hospital. McKenzie Willamette. It's McKenzie called McKen- Willamette. Because of the McKenzie right. River and the Willamette River. Right. 
So Mackenzie Willamette. I couldn't get the Mackenzie list. I don't know why. I always forget. I'm starting to. Next door to age. Eugene. Yeah, right right next door to Eugene. Beautiful country. Home of the Ducks. Home of the Ducks. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Kind of. Joey Harrington was big back then. Yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah, he yeah. was huge. Yeah. yeah. He was Detroit. The man. Detroit first round. What, he was one of the 19 first round. He was round the third pick by the Detroit Lions. And yes. uh, yeah, they kind of fucked up his career. So. That team is so good in coming in last place. <laughs> yeah, 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 big time. <laughs> uh, but uh, Patrick, you've you've also bounced around. <laughs> Excuse me, there's that freaking cough. Uh, you bounced around a lot in life, uh, all over know. Hell's Half Acre, as they say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like that. Ohio, uh, Colorado, Oregon, Indiana. Well, for eleven months, corporate restructuring sent me to Washington D.C. and. A uh, company called CUNA Mutual Group said, help us with the Navy Federal account. We need some help down there. Yeah. Where did yeah. you first start? I started in the credit union industry in Denver, Colorado, working for the Colorado Credit Union League, a trade association that also had a for-profit subsidiary that provided consulting services and other other types of services to credit unions. Nice. And what what, what were you particularly doing in that? In I, that was, uh, I was... I uh, was... Uh, Hiring financial advisors to place them into credit unions mm. and get credit unions more involved in kind of a you know, more comprehensive suite of services and things that they could sell to members. Because some members, they wanted to explore mutual funds, you know, fee-based accounts, stocks and bonds, uh, life insurance, just do, just do a more holistic type of uh, financial planning approach uh, instead of just you know, CDs and checking accounts on the nice. deposit side. You had some you had some interesting other jobs though too. I remember you said selling potato chips, selling radio. Oh, oh yeah. Like yeah. Some... Massive failures in selling potato <laughs> chips. <laughs> Lasted several months. Uh, uh, grew the territory negative four percent probably. Was I, it like I marketing? Remember. I don't remember the dats. Was it marketing? It, 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 no, it was driving a potato chip truck oh. and walking into grocery stores and fighting for shelf space with the Uh-oh. much well, much better funded Frito-Lay guy. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Frito-Lay guy kicked my ass. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, uh, but what, bars and restaurants and drive throughs I could I could get an edge in there. And eventually, we, we actually made some – we actually did make some inroads. I, I'm very self-deprecating. It was a brand new. Uh, it was a new brand for the area. Uh, what was the brand? Grandma Shearer's potato chips from Brewster, Ohio, just Are a little place south of Canton. They're still around. Still around. They're still oh, around. It doesn't ring a bell, but yeah, yeah. But it was. They expanded from their you know local regional you know three or four county territory, you know all the way you know an hour west you know into Mansfield, nice. Ohio, northern Ohio. So. Uh, but it didn't work out, uh, and uh, things above me changed. The distributorship arrangements changed, and we 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 actually grew the territory very well. And then uh, the, the main company changed. You know, they decided we're going to just deliver the stuff ourselves and work on it ourselves. So they kind of used a distributor first, and nice. and did it themselves, which they have a right to do if they have contractual agreements that let them do that. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So yeah. fast forward to now. Copy machines oh, didn't sorry. do well at that either. Uh, and then radio worked out. I, I was able to get into uh, into the local AM uh, 
radio station that had sports and news and Paul Harvey uh, and all kinds of cool stuff that was pretty popular. Uh, and it was a very dominant radio station at the time. Was this the 80s or the 90s? Late 80s. Late 80s. Late 80s. And they bought a sister station, an FM station, uh, converted that station to a top 40 or you know current hits type format that you know, uh, was kind of sorely needed in the market because we were halfway between the big city of Cleveland and ha- and the big city of Columbus, and but there wasn't a wasn't a top forty radio station anywhere in between, and we kind of filled that gap. Nice, nice. and that got me through college. Nice, but you also have had quite an executive career. You, you mentioned uh, wait, sorry, sorry. Oh, did you uh, ha- did you get a degree in college? I well, eventually, yes. Oh. Uh, it took me six years to get my four-year degree. Oh, whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, social sciences. I didn't take enough of any one subject. I took a lot of econ, uh, political science, uh, history, a little bit of everything. And going to a liberal arts college, they gave me one of the one of the degrees that fell under the liberal arts category. Oh, cool. Which I actually am thankful for because I didn't overfocus in any one area. And as life goes on and you end up in all these different jobs and industries that you never thought you would end up in and have different life experiences, you know, personally that, you know, you weren't anticipating, I think a liberal arts background is, uh, is underrated. Functional. In today's, in today's very functional. And you can call back on it, it you know, more often, I think, than, nice. than maybe some other types of degrees. Yeah. Well, so so now the, the executive, you you know, you've had some different roles in the executive world. Yeah, I was I was essentially like a sales manager for financial advisor and financial advisors and credit unions, but all, at the same time selling the services to credit unions, kind of wearing dual hats. You know, you're the you're the front man to go get the account, and then you're also the guy that has to go find uh, the the great represent you know financial you know, the great person, the financial rep that you told the credit union you were going to go find for them. Uh, and uh, it was a challenging job, you know. I think at one time I had up to forty-four accounts uh, at forty-four different credit, you know, forty-four different credit unions in the three-state territory. Wow! Uh, and uh, but we, you know, we had we had amazing people that did a did a very good job. In fact, some of the some of my top reps that uh, that I still talk to to this day and have maintained good relationships nice. with. And you worked your way up through that. Worked work my way up through that. I uh, was placed at uh, Navy Federal uh, to help them start a broker-dealer. That's when you met Jake? Registered investment advisor. Didn't meet Jake until a phone call a couple months ago. <laughs> oh, because of the house? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. When That's you need when help, you phone know? a friend. We, we just, so, did you guys not know you worked for Navy Federal? Friend of a friend. Oh, got you. Totally. Got you. See, see. Okay. To, you know, kind of... Two degrees to seven ba- to Kevin Bacon yeah, instead nice. of six. <laughs> we uh, we obviously worked there for some of the same time, but we didn't. I didn't know you never crossed paths. Yeah. yeah, you Different were in departments. Pensac- you were in Pensacola. Yeah. I was uh, up in, up at HQ in Vienna. Virginia. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yep, yep. But yeah. so you went over there, financial group, got that off the ground, got that got that up and going and running. Yeah, it's still running today. Yep. Probably at way bigger and more impressive numbers than I ever had, but uh, you know that's what happens when. Yeah, I don't know if I can keep remember how many. Keep growing a good ba- good business like that. Absolutely, and then you uh, moved over to the branch ops side of the house. Moved over to branch operations. Huge uh, team, huge, huge team, team. I'm sure at that point. I think we had at the time around twenty four hundred staff. We had three divisions. I had the western division, uh, which was uh, once they opened up to the Army and Air Force and you know, went all DOD with their membership, 
my territory was from Denver to Diego Garcia. So I had all the Far East where the Navy was always very prevalent. Yeah. Uh, but you know, with Air Force bases and Army bases, we, we opened up new territories in places like Albuquerque, Denver, Phoenix. How uh, much were you having to travel in that, in that role? Well, I, had, I think I had seven regional managers under me. Yeah. Uh, so they did the bulk of the, of, of the, you know, day-to-day management right, right. Of, of those operations in terms of, you know, hiring and, and when working with the managers. Uh, but, uh, I was probably on the road or in a plane, you know, actually mostly in a plane, uh, about two months a year on yeah. average, I think. Yeah. That's quite, that's quite a that's quite a group, but the, you know that's the quite a uh, territory geographically to cover, um, and so so but then you, that's when you went off to go be a CEO, right? Yeah, I was recruited uh, in 2012 to uh, go be CEO at CBC Federal Credit Union in Oxnard, California. Uh, it was about a 400 million dollar shop at the time. Uh, uh, in credit union speak, we called it an investment club because they didn't do a whole lot of core lending. Mm. Uh, those, and most of the, they sold most of their mortgages. Uh, and you can make a lot of quick money that way. Uh, if you, mm-hmm. as people, as consumers know, mortgages often get sold. Yep. Uh, and not it's a whole lot annoying. of car loan activity and not a whole lot of uh, very minimal, if any, uh, credit card activity. They, they just started credit cards a year before I showed up. So we took a balance sheet that uh, might have had 100, 150 million tops of actual loans on the books. The rest were loans that they they might have purchased through secondary markets, mortgages, church loans, a little bit of everything, and other types of uh, government securities that you're allowed to own. Wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing. <laughs> and uh, it's a lower expense way to run a shop. You don't have to have as big of a lending staff. You don't have to have as many collectors as a result of that. Yep. Uh, and it made money. Uh, the board, however, desired to transition to be more of a traditional credit union and be more, and be more focused on lending versus investments. Right. So you know, to get the credit union to grow, the first thing we had to do was change the balance sheet, and that takes years. It took uh, several years to, to flip the balance sheet to more of an investment or more, more of an uh, organic loan uh, base. And we were successful in doing that, and it was – a, a lot of a lot of work, and I got my nose, you know, skinned up a few times, and uh, learned a lot by doing that. But had phenomenal people that helped us do it. Yeah, and you've told me about some some unique ideas that you put together, um, sandwich shop in the middle of one of the branches, something yeah, along those lines. We we did have some unique ideas. Uh, we we did a lot of things. I, I think the biggest thing we did was we placed a lot of trust in our people. You know, my style of management was uh, sort of what I did with financial advisors. I'm going to treat you like an adult until you prove me otherwise. And then you're going to see more of me. <laughs> and then I'll spend a little bit more time with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. and, th- and that's, you know, we might have fun and joke around, but it's probably not what, not really what you want to do. You, yeah. you spend a lot of time with your boss or more time with your boss than, than maybe you're used to. Uh, so... You know, we just had phenomenal people. My my my, my chief of IT uh, demonstrated exceptional skill, Frank Wasson, and he eventually became a CEO at another credit union. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people might have been frustrated with that. Oh my gosh, he was only there for three or four years. But I'd rather have somebody exceptional that 
yeah, that can rewrite policies, rewrite procedures, and execute them, and get his team to believe in them, and expand his uh, scope of responsibility, and have and have him leave that foundation behind, than have somebody mediocre forever. Uh, and uh, so we, and that that replicated itself in several areas. We had other people go on to be. CFOs and uh, other ex- in, uh, executive positions at much larger credit unions after they had a, had experience building things because we basically had to rebuild everything yeah. in the shop to 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 turn it into what it's become today. But it, it was a stressful job, though, huh? Absolutely. Uh, you know, running a division, running a department. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of infrastructure around you, a lot of structure around you in a larger company, uh, and. Especially at a place like Navy Federal that has such a compelling brand and a unique value proposition uh, compared to almost any credit union. Look how big they are compared to even the second largest credit union. They're two, three times as big as the second largest credit union in the world. Um, And growing. And growing. And growing. Uh, So in some ways, and this isn't a knock against Navy Federal, it was easy for me to look good because you got – 2,400 people in branch operations making you look good. I didn't have all of those people. I had about a third of them under me. But you got all these people doing great stuff. And yeah, of course, my numbers are going to look good, and I'm going to have some things to brag about on my annual performance review. Uh, Took a yeah. toll on your health, though? Uh, I, I, I guess it does, you know, because, you know, you, you always, you know, doesn't matter whether you're a small company or a large company. You always want to grow, grow, grow. You want to do more, do more, do more. You know, have more impact, have more impact. And uh, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. There's some tough love that goes with that. And there's hiring and all, and there's firing. And that's not the fun part of the job. You know, firing's not certainly not fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, when I rent, went to run my own shop, uh, as Cutler said. Cutler Dawson, uh, former CEO at Navy Federal, he says, I understand why you're leaving. You want to run your own destroyer because uh, even if it's smaller and, you know, maybe not as much income opportunity, and there was probably similar income opportunity, it's, uh, it's a tougher job. It's yeah, a tougher job because— no safety net, you know? Yeah. No, le- For, less of a safety net. You have nine bosses, and anything that goes bad, the board of directors has one employee, mm-hmm. and their one employee is a CEO. So if the CEO doesn't fix things in time, the board is more within their rights. In fact, it's their fiduciary responsibility to do something to the CEO. Either performance manage him up or you know, got a performance manage him up or out, just like just like a CEO has to performance manage his chiefs yeah. up or out if yeah. if we have problems. Yep. So so you got a board having having nine bosses is di- is uniquely different than you know having you know one, one. boss. Yep. Uh, and the, and the dynamics of the relationship is different because the board members are volunteers. Uh, they're not, you know, executives that are within the organization. So that's a different dynamic that I had to get used to. Yeah. Dealing with uh, reg- federal regulators and, and other regulators, you know, it was something unique. You know, they, have a, they have a different perspective on, on how to run the business than the people that are running the business. <laughs> I know, can imagine. At, at times. Did you ever have like a time where you made a decision or you like just a ground zero moment like, oh, shit, I totally screwed that up? Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I spend more time and waste more energy on those decisions than I do celebrating the the things that went well. Yeah. Uh, 
and they they never go away. Yeah, it's like losing a big game. You know, the 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 high school championship game that you lose that you lost. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it's hard to that fail you could have won, should have won. You know. And it's so easy and so clear to see I put the wrong person in that role or I didn't give them I put maybe I put them in the right role, but I didn't put the right support structures around them because they were new to that role. Mm-hmm. And they maybe they needed to go to uh, uh, lending school or maybe they need to learn how to write better reports or maybe they need to learn more, you know, more of the social graces that go with being an executive in terms of your language and being careful with what you say, being careful with how you say it and, and careful when you say it, you know, there might be, might be better off. Some people may be better served to approach uh, their boss one-on-one before they throw some new idea out there or a critique of what we're doing out there in front of the entire group. And they may not have all the, all the information at the time when they do that to, uh, to get the hearing and the audience and the, and the respect that they wanted to that idea. Yeah. So, so I, so I have regrets. Uh, I feel like I've let some people down along the way. I feel like, uh, uh, at times that, uh, you, you just, you just look back and it's so much more clear. Oh, I could have, should have, would have done this. Can you, uh, tell us a little bit about what happened why you had to step away? I had to step away because uh, we were celebrating a lot of success that we were having as a credit union. Like we have monthly all team meeting and we were handing out awards uh, September 4th, 2019. And the, I don't remember much about the two or three weeks prior to that event, actually. Uh, and I don't remember the event, but I, <clears throat> I dropped dead. I had a sudden heart attack. Uh, in a, a board meeting, right? In, a, in an all team meeting. Oh, a team, so, yeah. so the entire staff. Plus a few board members, because board members visited, you know, yeah. you know, small credit, and sometimes the board members visit the all-team meeting to celebrate a little bit. And uh, I just dropped dead. Uh, hit my head on some kind of stand or something on the way, so I had stitches on the side of my head, which was a minor thing compared to having a heart attack. It was a uh, uh, ventricular fibrillation, uh, was it, whatever was it, that is. <laughs> were, you, were you, like, standing in front of everybody speaking? Or? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, doing my shtick, you know, having fun. Good job, guys. Having fun with people. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And some guys gave you CPR, correct? The the best way to have a heart attack, especially the type I had, a ventricular fibrillation, which is the the, the kind of sudden one that just yeah. comes on out of nowhere because uh, I had no symptoms prior. Uh, oftentimes, those are the ones that take you right away. And uh, two people, Jesus Garcia chief experience uh, officer at CBC, and John Leach, who worked in IT uh, for CBC and now works for Ventura County Credit Union right down the road. They saved my life. Uh, they did CPR right at, within 30 seconds. Jesus, who was a prior trained EMT. Oh, nice. Uh, wow. Knew yeah, right away he had a heart attack. W- what was going on uh, potentially. And within 30 seconds, he, he knew. Yeah. We got to get on this. Uh, and he shout, evidently he shouted out, who else knows CPR? I, we got to get on him right now. So I have no idea how traumatic it was for the staff because, you know, imagine if if your boss or your boss's oh, boss just crazy. dropped dead in front of 100 people. It's yeah. just a, so they had counseling the next day, I heard, in the next couple of days, anybody that needed counseling, that kind of stuff. And uh, three days in a coma, uh, woke up uh, with blood clots in my left arm and in my head. Uh. And uh, I said, this is odd. You know, 
I know they gave me blood thinners, you know, because they're telling me everything that they did. And, you know, uh, make a long story short, a few days later, we finally agreed to take me off of a drug that I was allergic to, heparin. Uh, and uh, probably should have been taking it off before, but that's okay. I'm here. I'm alive. Yeah. I'm thankful. Yeah. I'm Getting grateful. better. I'm grateful. But the heparin allergy postponed uh, the surgery that I needed. I needed uh, initially. I needed triple bypass surgery, but one of the one of the three arteries actually cleared up. Oh wow! A little bit to where they only needed to, to reroute two. Wow! So, uh, and that went well. And you know, but the the recovery took longer than than I than I would have preferred. It took me a couple of years really to get to get over. Physically, I felt fine after about a year, but I had brain fog. I had uh, uh, about 40% loss with some cognitive function and short-term memory uh, and even some long-term memory. The long-term memory came back, though, as I I, I keep a lot of things and I read a lot of, you know, it's like even old, old notes, old reports and stuff. And, you know, just having all those old books that I might have read 20 years ago and, you know, Things that things that I uh, brought me back to remember things from long term was helpful. Were you in the Were you in the hospital after COVID started kicking off? Thank God I was not. I was going to. This say, was September 2019, so roughly four or five, six months before. So you must have got out almost right before everything yeah, started going. Yeah, I was crazy. only in the hospital for a couple of weeks, maybe 17 days in September, and then another couple of weeks you know, 13, 14 days in October for the surgery. Okay. And, and recovered well. Recovered well, well. well, I think this uh, opened... with, you know, the, the recovery was tough though, because the, you know, the, 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 the pharmaceutical cocktail that I was taking, uh, didn't help my brain heal, you know, cause I did have, I had to, I had the hope of re repairing those neurons that would help me with short term things that would help me with cognitive uh, task-oriented things that I that I really needed to get back to doing just to function every day. And it was frustrating not being able to do basic things. Yeah. I couldn't do math. I couldn't – if I read, I, I got headaches. Uh, and I didn't have the same – I'm a grammar – one, one thing they taught me in Navy Federal was grammar <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and details on how you submit your reports and the formatting of the reports and the font size and – the size of the spacing on, around the Color. documents, and oh, yeah. it was a you know some military attitude in terms of having exceptional staff work, and you know I, I lost that. I lost that entirely. I became very sloppy with everything I did, mm-hmm. and that drove me crazy. And did you did you end up going back as the CEO, or how did that no, how did that I, all go down? I I knew within a month that I this this was going to be a long. A long haul. Yeah. Uh, the board was exceptionally graceful and gave me lots of freedom, lots of time on my own to just decide what I want to do. They didn't want me back until they had Good. double, triple confirmation from doctors that I was capable of coming back uh, to their credit. Uh, so, you know, kind of pre-planning for events, having good succession planning is is crucial in a, in a situation like that. And we had a succession we had a succession plan. We had uh, agreements what would happen in the event of a disability or death. Uh, and uh, I had to check in with them on, at a 90-day mark and give them some kind of indication one way or the other. 
And so we sat down in early, I think early January, and I told him, I'm, I don't know when I can come back. And in my heart of hearts, it's not, I don't know if it's the best thing for me, but I can't tell you I'm going to be good to go in February, March, April, June. I don't know when it's going to be. Yeah. So I think we need to move on. I think I need to move on. And so I went on short-term disability, and we worked out, you know, the prearranged agreements that were already in place. And I went, I, I went, on, I went on my merry way. We announced it to the staff. Uh, cause, and the reason, for, the reason we have to do that, it would be wonderful if they would just wait for another year right, you know, right. and, and, and let me get back to my regular self like I am today which actually took closer to two years. But you've got an entire team and a membership base of what's now, I think, 30,000 that needs direction and, and stability and who's in charge, who's, who's running this ship. Yeah, forward thinking, strategic planning. Yeah. It's hard to do that if you're... If you like don't know temp, when the boss is coming back. Yeah, you're the yeah. temp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, maybe if I was... In a, in a lesser role, in a, you know, not in a managerial role or a certain, you know, or, or a larger organization that could, you know, buffer you, buffer around you, but you know, CEO role at almost any size shop, you need to have that direction. Yeah. So the board did the right thing. Uh, they, they worked things out with me. I recommended my number two. Uh, they it was a COO. It was, it was he was a CFO up. at the time, but he, but he also had prior experience as our CXO. He oh. had done both, both jobs. So Rick oh, Weber. Robert. Uh, took over CEO, and in the two years since, they've had record earnings, they've had record membership growth, they've had record member satisfaction, record loan growth. Nice. For two years in a row uh, after I left. So you can look at that two ways. Uh, Rick can run circles around me, <laughs> and that's partially true. There's a lot of truth to that. He can run circles around me. Intellectually, uh being a prior examiner, being a CPA, having a, having a financial background, but also he's kind of like a Swiss army knife for a credit union because he can not only run the branches with enthusiasm and get people pumped up and get people excited about doing what they need to do to, to deliver exceptional service standards, uh, but he can also uh, figure out the numbers and, the and, and, make, and, make, and make the balance sheet hum the way it needs to. Yep. And... Uh, and he's got a great team around him. Uh, most of the people that, I, that that were there when I left are still there. Well, and, and they're and they're kicking ass. And I'm like, and and the other way to look at that is, you know, we build a great team during my yeah. tenure. Uh, so that's the way I prefer to look at it. We build a great team, and uh, and I pick the right guy to come in and be prepared to take over as CEO if something ever did happen to me. Um. You know, I th- knowing you a couple months now, um, I think one of the mm-hmm. things that's most notable about you is 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 actually in your family life. Um, so, w- you want to tell us about your your two boys? Absolutely. Uh, before I do that, you asked me a question earlier, and we got we got off track. You know, we did some fun new things. Thank you, at, at, thank uh, you for helping CBC. me get back. Uh, and I talked about Frank Wasson, who went on to be a a, a phenomenal CEO. At, at, a, at another credit union, actually two other credit unions. Uh, but one of the other things we did uh, was we brought data analytics into the credit union. Uh, most small credit unions at the time were not, you know, employing, uh, they didn't have a quantitative analytics or a business intelligence department, you know, like 
Did you, you just like watched? Navy Federal? They've got probably a, a hundred quants working for them right now. Yeah. Uh, you guys watched the movie Moneyball, and then you were like, "Let's do." This. We just watched M- M- Moneyball and said, "Let's apply this to yeah. to credit unions, and let's go find some uh, young fat kid." <laughs> <laughs> that knows numbers uh, where's, uh, where's the jonah hill we, in this? we we did the next best thing uh, we we found a vendor uh that partnered with us and we treated them like our own staff and we treated them like our own business intelligence department even though we didn't have exclusive rights to their time and their services but you know for a for a relatively small amount of money less than a third of what we would have had to pay a quant on our own uh, you know, uh, I think a quant back then, you know, if we w- if we would have hired one, was one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you're lucky to keep them for two years. Yeah. Uh, so we spent a lot less than that, but we got we got help with our with some of our biggest problems. How do we grow our credit card portfolio? How do we uh, improve our returns on our on our emails and to both members and non-members and things like that? So we uh, their their ability to uh, just understand us, our needs, our wants, and our willingness to open up full kimono, show them where the problems were, and just just help us fix this yeah. and tell us what we need to do to fix this. So we were able to grow credit cards from 700 to 7,000 in a few years on a membership base at the time that was only 13,000. Uh, so the membership base was growing at the same time that the credit card base was growing, but it, it went from less than a million dollars to $20 million. So for our size shop, being able to diversify your lending portfolio and have more than just car loans uh, and mortgages to, to rely on for loans and eventually commercial business services too, uh, makes a big difference because different parts of the economy go up and down at different times. So the, you know, the more you can have, your, have diversity, just like in your personal investment portfolio, if you're running a financial institution, having what's diversity that? in your yeah, what's that? What's that? Well, it's beer money My and uh, money what? for rent <laughs> and money for food. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, beer so, and food so, and so, the gym, but, weed. But, yeah, but it but diverse, diversity matters. Yeah. Diversity matters because if you don't have that diversity, you're totally relying on the mortgage market. If you're a mortgage shop, you're totally relying on uh, auto loans. If if you are predominantly an auto shop. You know, or an indirect auto loan shop, and uh, if anything has taught the industry that they need diverse lending portfolios, it's COVID. Look at what it you know it, it obviously made real, you know with rates down you know real estate tended to boom, so hardly any delinquencies in mortgages, but, but but cars disappeared, you know new car sales disappeared, used car sale used car values you know popped up, and you know that that impacts. How, how you're running your credit union. And if you're, you don't want to be a one trick pony. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you want to have other things to rely on. And nice. so we're fortunate that we were able to get that done and kind of set the foundation so the credit union going forward can have multiple streams of revenue from multiple places, you know, sources. Nice. Thank God for quants. Thank God for quants. So, thank God for quants these days. Yes. We should, we should yeah. make a say that again yeah. T-shirt that says "Thank God." Quants are people too. <laughs> they may not have all the social skills the that beginning. the punters have, but the you know <laughs> the punters because <laughs> yeah. punters are people. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're beginning our merchandising exactly uh, aspect of this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. thanks for so, going back so, and so, touching so on that. So that was exciting. Br- bringing data analytics to the to the credit union helped. Bringing lending, uh, more of a lending focus to the credit union was was fun. 
Um, and, uh, and and when we built a culture, we, we, we built a culture that didn't previously exist with core values. We The first thing we did in, you know, within two months of my arrival was uh, we sat down with, uh, you know, with leaders in the organization and said, what should we stand for as a, you know, as, 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 as our core values? And we already had a tagline called make it easy, even though our digital wasn't that easy and we weren't making that many loans. You were going to uh, make it. Make we're going to make it, make it, make it easy. Yeah, we're going to get there. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of common themes were integrity, relationships, uh, convenience. You know, and a lot of buzzwords around that. Uh, yeah. and there were like thirty-four buzzwords on the wall. Lots uh, of buzzwords in corporate America. And, I'll tell you. And marketing uh, came up with a great idea. They simplified all those buzzwords, and they there's really three themes here, and it's what I just said. It's convenience, it's in- integrity, and it's relationships. But to appeal more to the millennial crowd, we show we chose shorter words that are easier for people like me to understand. Uh, so we our core values became make uh, make it right, make it easy, make it personal, and we put the definitions of what right looks like, easy looks like, and personal looks like on the board of the branches, on the website, and in every work area. And to our surprise, it became our brand promise. It wasn't part of the intention. The intention was internal culture. But when we published it to the members, the members called us out when we did it right, when we did it easy, and when we did it personal. They thanked us, and they used that language. You, you, you really made it right, just like you said on the, just like you said on the on the board in the branch. Yeah. Uh, and when we did it wrong, they called us out. You're not making it right. You're not making it easy, and you're and you didn't make it personal in this in this particular situation. Yeah. So by by making that that kind of a bold stand in front of the membership, uh, it invited the membership to give us more honest feedback, I think. And it was, you know, it was beneficial and helped us improve the credit union. Yeah. Um, uh, did a couple other things. Uh, I think most notably was we had a branch that was uh, not that busy, old fashioned style in terms of its uh, um, design and uh, just the look and the feel. Uh, forest green carpeting and lots of wood. Dark wood all over the place. It looks like you could have filmed, uh, you know, like one of those old movies. You know, it's like uh, uh, it's a wonderful Robin life. Hood or something. Yeah, came Robin up Hood. With the... Yeah, um, but the branch wasn't that busy, and most credians would have shut the branch down based on the foot traffic. And we had four thousand square feet. Couldn't it's really big branch. Couldn't really utilize it that well. Uh, and uh, so, what do you do? Uh, my crazy idea was let's build a Capital One Cafe type environment. Yeah, we were we looked at partnering with a local college and, and or university, uh, and have uh, the students run a coffee shop side by side with us, and that could be a future talent pool for us. That was my bright idea. Uh, my bright idea, like a lot of my bright ideas, uh, it fell like a lead balloon, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, and the negotiations to go find a place that we could do that in, because uh, our building really wasn't suited for it, we didn't think. And so we were we we went off looking for other buildings, you know, to go buy or lease or you know do something with. And those negotiations fell through after about nine months, and we couldn't really pull it off. And you know, during after that failure uh, came opportunity, and our commercial broker Scott Siegel said, "I got a guy." <laughs> you know? Oh, really? You got a guy. Well, what's what's this guy do? 
He says he runs. He runs. Uh, he has all the Duncan franchise. He has a franchise for all the Duncans in Southern California, uh, from L.A. up to actually Central Coast, all the way up to Modesto. Uh, so we met with Aaron Amanpour. Uh, he has his own company and a lot of a lot of other franchises and, and other other restaurant restaurant entities like Burger King and you know good meeting, uh, you know good just a good fit in terms of the culture and the and the personalities involved and. Uh, about a year or two later, we had a co-designed branch with a Duncan inside, inside our branch. Mm. And uh, we had 350 more people coming through the branch every day, exposing themselves to our brand, because that's what an average Duncan store you know, can bring in. Wow. Do you remember like what the uptick was on like increases in membership or like transactions in the branch or anything uh, like that? Because of my uh, memory loss, I'm going to use fuzzy math and say it was between three and four times. Yeah. In terms of I in terms of our 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 loan volume that actually went through that branch after and the new member volume that, that goes through that branch now. It's a it's a viable branch now and, and yeah. it'll survive. Yeah, so working uh, with working with college kids falls like a lead balloon, but uh, get some Dunkin' Donuts in there, and you're good to go. Well, we, you know, the other the, the elephant in the room that I didn't see was, uh, and we should have known this already. Only two out of ten people in within a mile of the branch knew who we were. Really? Because if you're little bitty CBC Federal Credit Union, you know who knows what that means. Yeah, you know, some people don't even know what a credit union is hardly anybody knew what CBC well, was. That was the local, local Navy base, the Construction oh, okay. Battalion Center. Okay. Uh, but if you weren't affiliated with the Navy, you didn't really know, am I eligible to join? You know, what, a, what is this and how, how does this work? And uh, So having 350 people come in because of the national brand power and, and significance of Duncan uh, just took that, took, took that uh, awareness through the roof and now they're planning i think two more yeah i was gonna say i mean so as far as you know i'm trying to think of i know some of these franchises have doubled up like that i don't know if i can come up with a good example but i mean this was like a pretty new idea right i think we're the, I, we i know we were the first crediting to do it in uh with the duncan any nationwide right uh there might be a duncan inside a inside an army base in texas fort hood i believe uh, but if you think about it, it's sort of like what you see on a military base where it's shared services, you know, yeah. you, you, or, or the old fashioned mall where everyone's sharing the same, you know, but malls have kind of died out and traditional retail as we know it, you know, people don't drive to, to branches like they used to, I'm telling you, but they some, do drive to Duncan's. There's, there's some places where, um, and they drive to Starbucks and they drive to, you know, place like that, you know. There's there's some places where these dead malls just looked absolutely terrible in neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I mean, even mm-hmm. even our mall over here, there's there's a portion of it that's that's shut down. The one side, the one yeah. side is pretty busy, but there's a I don't know. I guess it's like one of the stores is Besides closed. The movie theater, it was pretty empty today. Oh yeah, I drove, it was in yeah. there in the in the parking lot, and yeah, it's pretty empty. I mean, it's it's still. But most, I mean, booming. The malls in Springfield, or Eugene, Oregon, are like, from what I see, they look pretty dead. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them that yeah. are just straight up closed, and it's just a big eyesore. And where I grew up, uh, the malls the become a health center. You know, like yeah. a, there's a, there, there's a there's a, essentially a hospital, I think. Yeah, and other clinics that they can go to, you know, people can go to, and use those. 
using. I mean, I imagine there's just enormous <laughs> amounts of square footage, giant buildings that are that that are needing some repurpose. So. And yeah, and there's well, opportunity. There's failure and opportunity there too. With, yeah. with converting space to uh, you know mixed use, you know, you know with a different type of mixed use res, you know, residential office, healthcare, you know, yeah, and maybe even some some food, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess now that people are starting to venture out of their houses again after all this COVID stuff. But let's mm-hmm. let's change gears. So let's change let's, gears. Uh, first of all, thank you for that because I did want to hear the story about the Dunkin' yeah. Donuts uh, going in. I think I kind of said I don't know I, how I segued away from. I that, think but. you'll see more, and uh, uh, just because of people I talk to uh, in the industry, I think you'll see a few more of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, I think there are a couple out there already. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, tell us about your family. So we've your boys are sitting in the other room right yeah. now. Wonderful kids. Like, tell yeah. us about your family yeah. life. Single dad, two young men, uh, twenty one and nineteen. Nathan is twenty one, and Andrew is nineteen. Uh, Nathan was my primary caregiver. Uh, I was going to say during, the, during my recovery period. Uh, and so it kind of worked out. He had just graduated from high school. He was working at a grocery store, and boom, you know. Yeah, you know, you know what happened to me happened, and it was it was a blessing to have him there. Yeah, to he definitely seems through. like he's been he he seems wildly responsible for how young he is. He's twenty one yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good kid. Yeah, exceptional kid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Had a nice time getting to know him a little bit the last yeah. few days and stuff. Yeah, we saw Batman on Sunday. Was it was it good? I mean, I'm not a comic you're not movie a, guy, you're not but a I mean, it wasn't the worst Batman I've seen. Like, there's been some shitty ones. I heard uh, Lenny Kravitz's daughter is in that movie. Oh, is that who it was? Yeah. yeah she's pretty cute. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. I'll, maybe I'll what go is see she, the... Catwoman? Yeah. Well, yeah. spoiler alert, I guess. Yeah. Or no, it doesn't matter. She's a character. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. a character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's well I mean, do people yeah. know that Catwoman is in that movie? I don't know. Yeah, she, it's Catwoman, and there's a guy that's kind of like the ping one, but the main <laughs> bad guy is the Riddler. He's yeah. a real son of a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've all worked for one of those. Somewhere I, along the way. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyways, more so, Nathan. Younger son, uh, more about Nathan. Uh, Nathan is, uh, is, is highly social, good with people, uh, got good skills, and uh, he just hasn't tapped into it all yet because he's been— Because he's 21. He's 21. <laughs> he has more fun things to do. Yeah. Uh, and he's had to hang around for me a lot and also hang around the house for, you know, for his younger brother, Andrew, who's nonverbal, autistic, low functioning and needs help doing everything throughout his day. Needs help bathing, dressing, brushing his teeth, feeding, toileting. So Nathan was taking care of both getting his clothes for a while. Yeah. I mean... I, I told him he could work half days, <laughs> 12 hours. You pick whichever 12 yeah, yeah. hours you want to work, and I'll take the other 12 oh, hours, gosh. and I'll take care of Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other 12 hours. That, that must have been a trying time, though, while you, know, while you were recovering. and uh, you it, know. it was a zoo, I'll be honest. Yeah. And I was not at my best, and uh, Andrew was not at his best, because Andrew, being nonverbal and only being offered Zoom classes from virtually day one, because right about two years ago to the COVID day, came right into your COVID, recovery. COVID came right into recovery. Or, you know, thank God it wasn't the first six months of my recovery. It was yeah. a few months later. Yeah, but yeah. still, uh, 
you know, I was able to juggle the getting Andrew to school, and or and, and sometimes Nathan would help me with that, and you know, get get him get him after school and do things and keep him going with his therapies and things. You know, we had home therapists that were visiting the home, but all that shut down in late March, twenty twenty. Yeah, two years. And especially the nonverbal kids, they really didn't have an option to to do any. You know, they had they offered Zoom classes. But Zoom for a nonverbal uh, doesn't work. Doesn't work, and infuriated him to the point where I was afraid he was going to break the laptop. Wow! You know, and uh, so because he's broken a few iPads. Yeah. yeah. Does, so does I he? I'm still paying for one. <laughs> <laughs> does he? Does he have uh, school to go? Does he? Does he? Does he? Well, is he like graduated or does at, at his at his level of development? Because his. His uh, intellectually or mentally, he's more or less like a three-year-old, maybe yeah, three or four-year-old. He has good receptive language. He understands what instructions, if if they're instructions that he's familiar with. Yeah, you know, put your shoes on. We need to get going. We're going to go to Jake's and and go see Uncle Ryan and <laughs> cook out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and he'll put his shoes on and he'll be ready to go. But if I if it's something new that we haven't done before. Uh, he, he he doesn't have he may not have the, the capacity to understand. I mean, I can definitely so. tell that there is an increased comfortability coming over the last just in three or four visits. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. last time and this time he's yeah. been like, look at him today. He just hopped out. It seemed out of the car and you know yeah. joined in with everybody. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that you've done to like help his. Uh, I hate it when I say like, but um, there's a lot of things you've done to. Uh, help his mood and you know just everyday life with his you know uh, talk about his diet yeah well i'll get back and talk about the covid first the oh co- sorry, COVID sorry, isolation. Yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. covid isolation was devastating for our most vulnerable our most needy absolutely yeah at both ends of the age spectrum if you will uh the elderly you know they were told to stay indoors yep. no vitamin d for you yeah my grandma's in even though 80 percent of the deaths you know had to def- were deficient in vitamin d yeah you know so go figure that uh should have had a quant on covid <laughs> should have had a quant on covid i mean it's not, if should have somebody... had a functional medicine doctor uh or somebody with a more of a functional medicine background leading the, leading the charge versus the uh one size fits all we're all going to take this pill or we're going to take this therapeutic injection as as the end-all, be-all solution. All of us are unique individuals. All of us have allergies to something, hypothetically. Maybe some of us are not allergic to anything. But every drug, almost every food, uh, but certainly every drug uh, and, and, and every not unnatural non-God-made, nature-made intervention will have a small subset of the population, maybe a large subset of the population, have an adverse reaction to that. Whether it's peanuts, whether it's heparin, whether it's penicillin, whether it's a vaccine. So I'm allergic to statin drugs. I couldn't take statin drugs for 20 years. I tried. I took them all. I even took the PKS9 inhibitors that are biweekly injections to control my cholesterol didn't work so we focused on everything else that we could focus on which is triglycerides and other things but we could not get my cholesterol down um and because of the because of my allergic reactions to the to, to those drugs and so there's a subset of the population you need to find other things that you can do for them 
if, if that particular device or intervention fails. Because it's, it's going to fail with a certain percentage. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt. Any scientist will admit that there's adverse reactions to most, if not all, drugs. Yeah. yeah. And or vaccines. So does that make me anti-statin? Are people with peanut allergies anti-peanut? Am I anti-heparin because I had a heparin allergy? No, I'm not anti-heparin. It had a purpose. It helped save my life. But if I would have taken it for another 10 days, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I just I just thank God for all the people that put on their Facebook posts or on their Facebook profile picture that they got vaccinated. I mean, that's really... <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean, it's so infuriating I'm, to me. Uh, I, I mean, I just... It, it's going... What's going to happen... Mm-hmm. Is it's just going to brush over, and we're just going to we're going to move on with our lives as if nothing happened. But this has been this has been a ridiculous period of time. You're going to get me started. <laughs> well, I'm getting myself started. I'm. It's just. I, I mean, it's it's we, absolutely insane. Well, the way that we've approached. So is our lack of attention to proper nutrition. So is our lack of attention to therapeutics. So is our lack. You know, when when something like this happens, yeah. they only we could care have been, when the money's even right. if we just gave people vitamin D in a Z pack. We you know to give people a, a positive test, which oftentimes is a false positive and they never develop the infection. There's a difference between being exposed to an infectious disease and, and, and actually developing an infection from that disease. And we jumped way forward, farther forward than, than we did for the prior 830 years that we've had colds and flus. Right. So we have 830 years of experience doing this. And now we're blaming people who didn't get sick for infecting others. It's the first time we ever did that. Yeah. Didn't do that with the common cold 800 years ago. We didn't do it with the flu that came out 100 years ago. We didn't do that with SARS and MERS and all the other ones. But all of a sudden, we're blaming healthy people and isolating young, healthy, working people when what we could have done was what Sweden did, isolate the elderly. Sweden admitted their failures in nursing homes early. They failed fast, They moved and they pivoted quickly, and they said, we're going to isolate the elderly in a, in a more humane way and do the right thing and let everybody else go back to work. They never had the mandates on the vaccines. They never had the mandates on the even the masks. Is, is this covered in the RFK? Uh, I don't know if it's you... covered in the RFK, but the, the, the literature's out there. It's, it's there if you're willing to be open-minded and read it. You know, I, I mean, I was wrong about a lot of things with my medical treatment of, my, of, of what led to my heart disease. And Buying into the one-size-fits-all approach almost killed me. Yeah. And, uh, and I won't get into the details of that, but once I got off uh, the drugs, my brain fog disappeared. Once I pursued homeopathic treatments, naturopathic treatments, functional medicine treatments with a doctor who uses food as medicine, mm-hmm. eat more avocados. Really? Why? EFAs. They're the richest... You know, omega-3, which is what an EFA is, uh, you know, omega-6 and 6s and 9s, but primarily omega-3s are critical for brain development. So Andrew eats a lot of avocados and so I was going to say, the homeopathic stuff is what's really helped Andrew. That's what's helped him, and that's what's helped me. I would still have brain, I would, I would still have cognitive delays, I would still have memory loss, and I would not be able to go interview for a job today and, and, and convince somebody I can do good work. 
if I was still on the drugs. That I, a, that I know from my own experience. I don't need to study. I'm not a doctor, so people can, can shoot, shoot bullets at me for not being a doctor. But I know what my experience has been. The scientific meth- method is based on experience. Right. The scientific method encourages debate. And so, failure. So to, to, to shame people who can't wear a mask like my son and attack him in a store verbally and abuse him. Pretty nuts. That's, pre- that's pretty nuts. That's yeah, pretty that's nuts. ridiculous. Uh, to shame people and, and say, well, you know, you're a, you're a 35-year-old male, healthy, and you know, you're a pro athlete, but you got this test that says you're sick. So you got to stay away from other people. It's ridiculous. It is. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's a difference between being exposed to infections and getting the infection. Why do some people not get colds? Why does my son Andrew, who missed six weeks of school every year without fail from pneumonia, bronchitis, ear infections? On every medicine in the book or? Well, he was taking. Whatever they told him to take. Oh, that's another whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. How he how got the autism is a whole other thing. But, um, the, uh, uh, but once we switched to organic, all organic food, uh, reduced the starches so his gut could heal. Because uh, most disease starts in your gut. Uh, and starches are a big Depression part of that. starts in your gut. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a healthy gut, you're not going to have a healthy brain. Uh, and uh, we did things like hyperbaric therapy, which is used for brain injury victims. I've done it. Andrew's done it. It's helped. We've done infrared therapy. Uh, that's the red laser light therapy that people want to shame people into who use it you know, as being quacks. Uh, but it works. We are light energy beings. We are social beings. Uh, and Pretty common sense. And, you know, if you put sugar in the gas tank, the car's not going to run. Yeah. yeah. And we're putting way too much sugar in our gas tanks as a society. We're putting way too much sodium in our gas tanks as a society. So what we're doing with Andrew, what we're doing with me, is, is we're eating more organic food. We're eating almost virtually all organic food. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, uh, there are a lot of reasons for that. And, well, you're, and, you're, and he's had he's had the most uh, turnaround in his behavior since we started doing that, and and so have I. Nice. You're you're somebody with the situation with Andrew. I, I would imagine mm-hmm. has a history of oh he checking doctors, yeah, checking prescriptions, checking yes. checking the stuff. Absolutely. What are the side effects? You know, what about you know? We're taking six six pills now a day. You know, right. or four pills a day. What are, what happens when they're used in combination? Because maybe one pill on its own does fine for the eczema. The other pill on its own does fine uh, for uh, the self injurious behaviors. Or another pill on its own does fine for the depression and the anxiety. But what happens when we blend them together? Yeah. What unknown side effects happen then? The industry well, never tests that. The industry only tests what happens with this one drug in these trials, but we never test the combinations. Yeah. It's very rare to see those. But, but you, what I'm so saying is— So we use life experience. Yeah, exactly. And my life experience is I've got massive brain fog, and I can't get my memory back, and I can't get my cognitive function where I can do simple math. Yeah. A lot of trial by error. A lot of trial by error. I mean, I could talk, but I couldn't reason very well. I couldn't make decisions very well. And just to extend an olive branch to the whole concept, I mean, somebody else might take that cocktail and it would work fine for them. 
But absolutely, because we're all individuals, just like some people can eat peanuts and some people go into anaphylactic shock. Exactly. Yeah. And if we don't get back to respecting the individual, mm-hmm. uh, we'll kill society as we know it. Yeah, I think one of the things that I try to uh, I'm try to be careful to say when we get in this conversation, like, yeah, COVID irritates me because I think there's a lot of it that was just overblown and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you want to get vaccinated, go ahead. I, I don't. I, I, it, that should it, be a free choice, but it should be a personal choice. Exactly. And it should be a personal choice where you consult with your physician and you should have the right to get a second opinion or a third yeah. opinion or a fourth opinion. Someone like my son, I might want to talk to three or four different specialists. Yeah. Because they understand, you know, one specialist understands his gut really well, another specialist understands his brain, his brain better. Yeah. So I have specialists who advised Andrew not to take the vaccine and advised me not to take the vaccine and Nathan not to take the vaccine because of our medical histories. But if they operate in California, they can't say that out loud. They certainly can't put it in writing or they lose their license. It's very messed up. It's very messed up. You know, one of the things that I'll, I'll, put, up. I'll put up, I'll put this out there is that, you know, Joe, my, my little brother, I talked about him on our last episode. He mm-hmm. was, he was vaccinated. And Absolutely. That's dead. another thing we have in common. He, not, I don't, I don't have a death in my, in, in my immediate family from the vaccine, but. But we, have, we understand, uh, we understand, yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. like the bond that we have is we've got this yeah. family member that we love that needs a lot of care. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's yeah. something. But you're not a doctor. Right. Uh, and I'm not a doctor, but I didn't have to be a doctor to watch what happened to Andrew immediately after he got his MMR shot. Yeah. Uh, the MMR shot probably gets more blame than it deserves, and I'll get to that. MMR uh, is what is measles, it? Measles, mumps, and rubella. Oh, yeah. We blended three vaccines into one giant cocktail to uh, make it easier for parents to take their kids in for their shots, reduce the number of trips, you increase the vaccination rates. Right. And that worked. Uh, but the risk of that is now you've got three times the thymesterol, three times the mercury, three times the whatever, the other adjuvants. and the At other things. one time. At one time. And hypothetically, in Andrew's case, if he had nine bouts of antibiotics in the first 18 months of his life, he should have gotten the MMR shot at 13 months. That's what they were recommending. We postponed it a few months um, out of concern. Right. Uh, probably should have postponed it after three years because that's when your immune system is actually mature. Uh, so, so I'm not anti-vaccine. I, I'm for seatbelts on vaccines. Let's, let, let's develop some safeguards around this wonderful vehicle that we have that can take us zero to 60 in 10 seconds. If you're, if you're my brother who's an NHRA drag tra- champion, there's a story for you. You should get him on sometime. <laughs> he, he can tell some stories. But, uh, but there are safety measures that you take to protect people when we're in these new things called, you know, motor vehicles. One of them is called seatbelts. Yeah. Why shouldn't one of them be called? Why don't we develop a seatbelt for vaccines? Uh, the seatbelt for me would be prior screening. We look at their medical history. Have you had lots of antibiotics, lots of pneumonia, lots of flus? If you have, you're immunocompromised and you may not, you may be more likely to have an adverse reaction to something that's triggering that's designed to trigger an immune, a massive, kind of a rapid immune response that wouldn't naturally occur. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's warning number one. Nine bouts of antibiotics. That was probably crazy to begin with. There were probably more naturopathic ways to treat an ear infection, in my humble opinion. Uh, 
But then on top of that, he was allergic to mother's milk, so he drank a lot of soy formula. Soy formula is chock-full loaded with Roundup Weed Killer, the primary ingredient being glyphosate. And glyphosate's a known uh, uh, wrecking ball to your immune system. It, it helps the, uh, you know, the antibiotics, they tear up your gut. So you have a compromised gut, you have a compromised immune system. Uh, and the glyphosate is uniquely, uh, and it also breaks the, the blood barrier in the gut. So now toxins can get into other areas of your body. You throw glyphosate on top of that, and glyphosate opens up the blood-brain barrier. So the glyphosate itself doesn't cause brain damage, but it opens up the doorway through the shikame pathway uh, in the brain that allows a toxin like thymiserol or aluminum or other toxins that are in vaccines that are designed to never leave your gut. That's why, most, that's why vaccines work for most people, because it doesn't break these barriers. Mm-hmm. But for someone like Andrew, where the, where the endothelial layers are only one cell layer thick that protect you from these toxins going from one part of your, your body structure to the next part of your body structure, i.e. The, car, the vascular system into your brain, you, you've created an environment that's perfect to, you might as well just take a needle and pump the, pump the aluminum and pump the thymiserol directly into the brain. Because that's effectively what a, a bizarre series of misunderstandings and events occurs mm. when we use this one-size-fits-all approach. Everybody gets their well-baby visit at three months, six months, nine months, boom, 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 and everybody does it this way. That should not be how we do – that should not be how we practice medicine. We should practice medicine around you know a, a person-centered approach. Well, it, yeah, I was going to say – and. And I didn't know any of that. Right. And, and it took me more than 10, 15 years to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, with the help of fellow autism moms, fellow autism dads, uh, exceptional, you know, chiropractors, uh, applied kinesiologists, neurologists, functional medicine doctors, uh, you name it, other specialists. And you put the puzzle pieces together and you finally figure out, oh, this is what happened. And now that we've figured out this is what caused it, now we can treat it better. And that's what we're doing now. Yeah. Well, how how does, uh, like, what makes uh, Andrew happy? Like, what what are some of the activities that he really enjoys doing? Well, uh, one of the things that actually makes him happy is the right types of food. He he just, he, this kid loves avocados. (laughs) Go figure. You guys are like the marketing campaign for avocados. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's the best baby food, too. Yeah. Uh, if we had it to do over again, we'd make all our own baby food. Are the it, it avocados in Florida comparable to California? Uh, I actually, California is more advanced with their development of organic uh, produce. So you're having and avail- time availability finding. and even pricing. I think there's a wider. I, I see. I personally see a wider price band in Florida from uh, GMO food uh, versus organic food, hmm. and we hmm. and we avoid GMO food because once again of the glyphosate. You know, the Roundup Weed Killer, the, preser- uh, the, the pesticides that are in GMO food. Yeah. What GMO food is, is glyphosate-resistant food, Roundup Weed Killer-resistant food. So if you're – because it kills – because glyphosate will kill everything uh, if you're spraying it in an, you know, in an organic area. But if you're spraying it with uh, GMO seed food, uh, that 
those ingredients and the pesticides, they go into every cell of the celery. They go into every cell of the corn, of the soy, of the strawberries, whatever you're eating. So you can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. So that's why we're so, that's why I'm so adamant about avoiding, uh, you know, traditional, you know, the mass produced GMO food. And there's plenty of plenty of research and plenty of science to back that up. You know, oh, people sure. say trust the science. Uh, yeah, it's only been in the last couple. Of I decades. say trust the scientific method. Yeah, which means you have to read both sides of the debate, and you have to expose yourself to both sides of the debate before you can arrive at a reasonable conclusion. Yeah, and I don't know. Let people make their own decisions. Or as many sides of the debate as there is. Yeah, yeah, and let people make their own decisions. Absolutely. But when I was a personal kid, responsibility is a good thing. Yeah, up absolutely. until I was twenty years old, we didn't even know anything about GMO this or that. I or grew up whatever. on Pop Tarts and yeah, yeah, Lucky exactly, Charms exactly, and pizza yeah, yeah. and you know you name it yeah. right? and lots of candy. You know, Kool Aid, uh, processed lunch meats. My mom would buy the big old freaking ham, and then all four kids would just chunk off of it for our sandwiches yeah. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's it's hard. People say organic food's more expensive. Yeah, that's true. There's there's some truth to that, but. My experience has been when you eat real food, you're satiated much more quickly. But what I'm saying was you, non-GMO even an option though? Up no, until, no, up until the early 2000s. No, it's okay. it, it's probably 20 percent of the market in California, and yeah. my guess is it's it's about 10 percent of the market in Florida. Yeah. Anyway, so so uh, and it, it, there's there's a tipping point of about 16 percent of the population when they when when all of us nationwide are eating more organic at about 16%, there'll be a, it'll, it'll actually, it'll exponentially grow faster and faster yeah. and faster. Just because of demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's when the word of mouth begins to spread. When you get one out of six people doing something, uh, becomes it, a business becomes, becomes a, well, and then big business gets interested in it. Yeah. And that actually is scary to me a little bit. Yeah. Cause you know, are they doing it? Or? Yeah. Are they, is, <laughs> yeah. is it, is it truly organic or is it not? Yeah. Uh, but in Andrew's case, he loves the food. Uh, he behaves better with the food. It sounds to me like you love the food too. I do too. And you've you've had your too. own See, pretty big weight it, loss story out of yeah, this. Yeah, about story. thirty pounds. Uh, I can eat a whole bag of potato chips. I can eat a whole bag of <laughs> chips ahoy's. Here, here. Be, uh, but part of the reason for that is uh, one, they're addictive. You know, yeah. they, they're they're literally addictive. And, yeah. and um, because and and your brain is telling your stomach, you know, eat more, eat more, eat more, eat more, eat more. Uh, but when you eat organic carrots. Or avocados, or quinoa, or uh, you know, uh, grass-fed bison, you know, that's organic. Your 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 gut and your brain are very connected. They call it your gut is actually your second brain, and it tells the brain, which is telling talking to your mouth, <laughs> stop. You know, there's some actual nutrients in here, and it's going to take me some time to digest all this because I, I need to get all the iron. I need to get all the niacin. I need to get all the vitamins, all the other minerals, and all the other nutrients that are in this wonderful nature-made, God-made food. Yeah. So please stop <laughs> and take a break and let that just settle, and let's, let's digest this the right way. So there's actually some brain science around why you won't spend as much money because you're going to actually eat less food. Yeah. And a bag of beans still costs, you know, 250 instead of $2. Yeah. You know, when you're talking GMO. So so if if you're using um uh you know, you know some some basic staples, you know, there's not nearly as much difference in in some of the basic foods. So 
And, and quinoa is wonderful. It's, it's much kinder to the gut. It doesn't stick like potatoes. doesn't stick like rice. The starches yeah. are not particularly good if you're trying to heal your gut. You want to do lower starches. At least that's our experience. Yeah. Both of you guys are a good influence um, because, I mean, both of you guys are pretty health conscious. You know, you eat you eat pretty clean too, Ryan. Fairly. Um, I do have my moments at night sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. I'll trash a bag of cookies and... 30 seconds but yeah yeah but i've been eating a hell of a lot more protein since you've been around and you know that food that you just brought over that was that was that was a great burger yeah ginger garlic and uh, onions are are wonderful it's a wonderful uh, additive to a hamburger yeah and uh you know now you've got now you've got natural enzymes that are going to help you break that down there's natural enzymes in all three of those that help you break down complex proteins nice very tasty and in fact you should always Eat some natural, enzyme-rich vegetable or root-based uh, food when yeah. you're eating uh, eating fat-based, you know, proteins, particularly high-fat proteins. Yep. And you need the fat. You need the fat for your brain because the fat has the EFAs too. The animal fat is actually beneficial to your brain. Yep. What else? Um, but what else does Andrew like? Yeah. What he, else does Andrew? He like? used to love to swing. He craved vi- vestibular activity. Yeah, you were just uh, telling movement. me that he had a. We had a. Indoor swing set yeah. at home in California. Uh, he's kind of outgrown that, though. But yeah. he's still, now what he likes more is just driving around. <laughs> and mm. even when he was a baby, he liked being driven around for a while. Uh, so merry-go-rounds and, you know, just stuff like that he likes. Yeah. Um, when you say he, he outgrew the swing, I mean, was it there and he just stopped going on it? It was or? there and he just stopped using it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Used less and less. Uh, he self-entertains with videos quite a bit. Yeah, uh, we see that. Watches a lot of uh, YouTube with uh, Thomas the Tank Engine, The Wiggles, some music. You know, he likes jazz, some Latin music, nice. upbeat type stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Nathan, Nathan appears to be pretty active in all of this and and helping out. And Nathan's very active. There's some nights, you know, because Andrew still has. Uh, up and down sleep patterns, and sometimes he's backwards, bass backwards with his uh, with his sleep. Yeah. So Nathan's a night owl, uh, and sometimes that's the only way I get my sleep. Yep. As he takes the night shift. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. Andrew's up, he doesn't necessarily need someone to be right there next to him. Doesn't always want someone right next to him. Yeah. He wants his own space a lot sometimes. Yeah. But still, it's good to have somebody awake. You yeah. Know, when, when he is ha- having those sleepless nights. Yeah. What's and sleep, uh, full day, and sleep full days? What is uh, what's Nathan's ambitions? Like, where's he? He's twenty one years old now. Is he? You know, he wants to be a welder. Welder, yeah. So we're gonna uh, hook him up with Mike Rowe <laughs> and get <laughs> dirty, a dirty job. Dirty somewhere. job. Get a dirty job. So, but trade jobs are the best these days. Yeah, he's not a scholar, and he wants to pursue a trade. Yeah, that's good. Uh, which, which was difficult. I don't want to sound like an anti vaxxer I'm 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 a pro reasoned individual health freedom advocate. Absolutely. <laughs> Isn't uh, it crazy you got to say in, it in so Nathan's, carefully? Yeah, got to got to pair your words very carefully. Uh don't want to be canceled even <laughs> I'm though I'm not you. famous uh and have no plans to be, but for for Nathan he couldn't even go to community college on Zoom without a vaccine. In a certain state on the left left coast. Yeah. Uh, so he can do those things now, uh, and he's considering, that, considering carpentry, considering other trades. So yeah, 
Yeah, maybe maybe someday we'll see the hostage situation that has been presented for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, they say things are loosening up out there now. However, uh, there are no re- religious exemptions for anybody, for anything in California. Schools, work, doesn't happen. They've, they've legislated it out. Uh, the... Uh, they and, actually and medical passed. and medical exemptions are are not legislated out, but they're administratively eliminated through the state medical board. And I'm sure because, they're I'm because sure if you're a doctor that gives a medical exemption, you're done. Yeah, and I'm sure that they were impossible to get anyways. They they and they are. So it's and the whole to, thing is just so to ridiculous. me. That's that's you're 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 a you're, you're a hostage to your health you know yeah. one size fits all doesn't work yeah doesn't work for anything um in my opinion in my humble opinion i agree what about so so you and nathan um how do you guys how do you guys keep your cup filled you know how how do you keep your cup filled this is the you've You've been through the ringer, my friend. Well, I've been through the ringer, and the, the isolation did did do a lot of damage on my mind. You know, that was mentally, gas on physically, the fire, wasn't it? And you know, for especially for a people person. You know, yeah. If I was a quant, maybe I'd have been happy just crunching numbers. <laughs> I love quants. Yeah. You know, yeah, stereotypically, so my good friends, I think Quran, we could probably. Suchet, you know, hey, hey, tro- uh, <laughs> what the fuck is a quant? It's a quantitative, quantitative analyst. Analyst, yeah, oh. yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah, it's a super nerdy kind of thing. I, I'm I'm basing it mostly off of you know football. how analytics has taken over baseball and now football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, so it's the, it's, the, the it's those quant geeks that are doing that. You got to you know? take a look at the numbers, boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah not, Jonah Hill was the was the nerdy quant in Moneyball who you know knew how many runs the changed the Oakleys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or was it? No. Oakland, A's. Oakland A's. Oakland A's. The Oakleys. That's awesome. Oh, the, that's an awesome team name, though. <laughs> the Oakleys. Yeah. Oakland Oakleys. If they ever decide that athletics is offensive for whatever reason, they can just Hopefully change Hopefully can keep that baseball team there since they lost yeah, the football okay. team. Uh, yeah. I'm t- yeah, they bounce around. Has, have the athletics, have they ever been in another city? Or have they always been Oakland? The Philadelphia athletics, I believe, moved to Kansas City and then to Oakland. I think, I think I'm thinking of the Angels. You're the thinking Angels of the California Angels. Anima, Anaheim, and then they moved to the Los Angeles. Los Angeles, yeah, yeah. But which is That's pretty much. I thought it was. They're in Anaheim now. Again. Oh, they're in. Yeah. Okay. They, they might have bounced back. Is I don't, the, I don't know how is they it the Anaheim Angels or is it the LA Angels? I think they're the Los Angeles. I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs> the right? Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, yeah, <laughs> California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've actually, I think they were the California Angels when they got there. Then they might have moved to no baseball. Call them LA. I don't know if they ever moved. I, I, yeah. th- that one I'm not as up on, but for some reason I just remember Angels in the outfield. Yeah. Gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was uh, yeah. that was uh, certainly a, a, a topic. The, the most exciting baseball being played today is uh, being performed by uh, the Savannah Bananas. And if you're not familiar with the Savannah Bananas, you want to Google that and YouTube that, and you're going to watch some real fun alternative rules baseball. Oh, no nice. kidding. Yes. Savannah Bananas. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They brought minor league baseball back to Savannah several years ago. A guy named by the guy by the name of Jesse Cole wears a yellow suit with a yellow hat. Definitely a unique guy. And they do crazy things like uh 
I think maybe it's in the seventh inning and later uh, a foul ball on a on, on a with two strikes if it's caught by a, a fan, that's a third out. Oh, nice. That's funny. <laughs> so, so, so weird. They, so weird stuff like that. Yeah. You know, just to make the game fun, fresh. It's minor leagues. They're there for the skill development. While yeah. we're developing skills, let's let's give the fans a different experience. Yeah. And have fun. Purists yeah. hate it. Uh, but they, when they visit and they, they hit the road, like they hit the road, to, they went to Birmingham uh, a couple of weeks ago. They sold out two nights in a row with 11,000 seats. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, people... Nobody, are, no, 11,000 people don't go watch baseball in Birmingham, not minor <laughs> league baseball. Yeah. But when the Savannah Bananas show up, they do. I mean, it's just a fun name, yeah. Savannah Bananas. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to so, take a look at it. Yeah, take a look at it. <laughs> but we digress. But, yeah, we digress <laughs> uh, off on baseball for a second. So... So going back to the question, you, how do you keep yourself together? How do you keep yourself positive, happy? Well, uh, w- well, first of all, the whole COVID experience has brought me closer to my faith. And even though I couldn't go to church for a long time uh, until I found a church that, stayed, that was bold enough to stay open and sued the county, or the county sued them, and but the church won. Uh, uh, so churches it, across the board in California pretty much closed up? 99% of them. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I, and, I won't stop us there. I just for for to, well over a year, a year and a half. Yeah, it was yeah. like that I mean, in Oregon it's too. Yeah, Oregon was pretty bad like that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of online church, which is just right. I forget how right. lucky I've been to have been in Florida this whole time, mm-hmm. even though it's been really hard on me too. Um, but being in Florida, it's just all yeah. that insanity yeah. uh, has been so they, not present here. The, the irony for me and the hard part for me was some of the best alternative medicine doctors that could heal me and could help heal Andrew were, are based in L.A. You know, that, right. it's a hotbed for alternative medicine. Uh, so I, you know, I was on a good track finding good specialists there to help him. Uh, but the downside is the continued isolation. So it, it it brought me closer to Christ and you know, got me to read more on my own than mm-hmm. I would probably would have done if I was going and doing the social thing at the organized church. And uh, so there's some there's always a silver lining, yeah, uh, with with any obstacle or any any challenge that you have in life, yeah. Uh, so so that's something that I do every day now that I didn't do before. Yeah, uh, spent, actually spend some time uh, with that. And uh, I spend more time on you know my daily exercise and yoga. I do yoga. You know, you know, uh, flexibility, pliability of your body is a good thing. Tom Brady's proven that for a couple decades now, right? No, He's didn't. the most flexible quarterback ever, yeah. arguably the most flexible football player ever. If you look same. at some of the angles that his elbow and shoulder and knees get bent into, uh, a lot of those, a lot of those incidents would have taken other athletes out. Yeah, for 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 their lives, and yeah. you know, but his his dedication to stretching yeah. and and maintaining a flexible body. And he had a really bad knee injury too, mm-hmm. so yeah, the stretching probably saved that. And he's into avocados. Yeah, he yeah, is with the ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. avocado <laughs> ice cream. Uh, but uh, you know, so I, I read more. Uh, I've 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 fired uh, the networks uh, and uh, like all the networks. Yeah. The ABCs, the CBSs, the Fox Newses, yeah. the uh, CNNs, ESPNs. Don't need them anymore. I, it's, it's I don't need garbage. them anymore. Uh, I'd rather read a good book. 
Yeah. I'd rather watch a good movie. Yeah. Uh, a movie that I can, you know, a crazy guy like me can enjoy. So. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I feel like, I feel um, like even movies, it's the older movies that I enjoy watching yeah, more. Yeah, me too. But me too. It seems like everything coming out these days is hard to find something good. Yeah. Clint yeah. Eastwood can't go wrong with Clint Eastwood. Uh, I'm not as much into the action movies. I'm not as much into the, you know, futuristic this and that. I, I like real drama, real characters, historical fiction, histo- even historical documentaries, you know, real real, real history as well as the, uh, you know, somewhat adulterated history to make the movie more entertaining. I, I enjoy those. I think I told you about Peanut Butter Falcon, right? You did. Peanut you Butter did. Falcon. You did. Tell you. Exceptional. If if people yeah. haven't seen that, you should watch that movie. Yeah. That is, yeah. Uh, has, have, have you ever heard of seen it? it? It's got uh, Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf is she, that how you say his name? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. He's yeah. in it, and then uh, an the underrated chick. actor, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Shia LaBeouf yeah. is good. I love yeah. I mean, he's he. If you like, just watch him interview like, when he's just being himself. Cerebral like guy. Him. Yeah. Um. He he says he changed his life while he was filming the movie. Um, I, I, I think there's a story where he got arrested like early on during filming cause he was just like out of control drunk or something. Oh, wow. And, uh, one of the stars in the movie is, um, what, it, what is it? Is it like down syndrome? And I, yeah, it's a down syndrome kid. Yeah. A kid with down syndrome. And so he's like that. It's like him and Shia the whole mm-hmm. time. Uh, and he said that just like being around him changed his life. So, yeah. You know, that's a humility I can respect. Well, and that's uh, what Andrew's so that's good. what Andrew's done so for me. Good. You know, yeah. when you when you have a problem that big and you have the guilt of gosh, if we just hadn't done all these injections with him, you know, of, of antibiotics and soy formula, you know, he might have had a chance to, yeah. to live a normal life. Uh and getting back to MMR gets all the blame. Uh the MMR is actually the last of 38 vaccines. It's close to the last of 38, you know, maybe two-thirds of the way through, 38 vaccines that are administered in the first couple years of a child's life today. So you got 38 vaccines with about 39 different ingredients, uh, and, the, and the immune system doesn't mature until you're age three. That's nuts. And then you got this, this whopper that just just so happens to have three times this, three times that, because it's a measles, mumps, and rubella because we spread it out. Uh, I think it's just the culmination of all these events. You know, if you keep drinking, 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 eventually you're going to get, you know, liver alcohol, alcohol poisoning or heart uh, disease liver or disease, liver, yeah. liver, li- liver disease. Uh, so it's not the last drink that did you in. It's the, it's the collection of things. And I yeah. think my theory is chemical soup. You take uh, antibiotics, glyphosate, thymiserol, mercury, and all these other parts with big words that I can't pronounce that are in the that are in a vaccine that are in your food, that are in your saltines, that are in your Doritos, that are in your Pop Tarts, that are in your Lunchables. Yeah, uh, and they all that, have these real fun names. They have they have you know, fun just... names like Lunchables or. Uh, I don't know Doritos. Well, I'm I'm talking yeah. more about the ingredients that are poison. You know, oh. it's like fructose, high fructose corn yeah. syrup. You know, yeah. but it's actually you might yeah. as well be injecting yourself yeah. with. Arguably, we should have had the worst COVID results in the world. Oh, we're, for we're, sure. We're the we're, we have the we have the worst nutrition, the worst exercise, the highest stress. We're proud of 
the 60 hour work week here in the U.S. And yeah. I and I was part of that. You know, yeah, I I I was a I was a maniac about working and yeah. putting my time in and putting my extra time in if it, if it was necessary. Yeah, and I think the family paid for that a little bit. Paid for that a lot. Yeah. So the the stress is as much of a killer, and the sugars as much of a killer as you know. We, we focus on cholesterol, cholesterol, cholesterol. I think sugar and stress are way more devastating to the cardiovascular system. Than increased cholesterol. The cholesterol gets secreted at in, in increased amounts to make up for the 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 impaired endothelial endothelial layers in your bloodstream. So cholesterol is the body's way of saving you for a while because you've already ripped the shit out of your arteries. Yeah. With with the toxins that you've taken in. So cholesterol gets a bad rap. You would die if you didn't have some cholesterol in your body. I agree. We have too much. Uh, but I pay more attention to triglycerides, my stress levels. Uh, my I never pre- take the yolks out of my eggs. My, I don't either. I don't do that egg white shit. Uh, I'm all about that good cholesterol. As long well, as you're organic. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the Cage thing about free. yolks is that it's you're trying to cut the cholesterol out of the meal? That's Everything say, you need but... to make a chicken is in that egg. That's the way God made it, or Mother Nature made it, depending on your religion or lack thereof. Either way... <coughs> How can that be a totally bad thing? It just doesn't pass the, the common sense test with me, nor does it pass the common sense with most functional medicine doctors. No. And I'm all for keeping cholesterol levels down, but I wish there was an equal emphasis on proper diet. Yeah. We can eliminate 90% of cardiovascular disease with proper diet and exercise and decreasing stress. Yeah, and there are studies that prove that. How would all, how would all the that. pharmaceutical companies make money then? That well, that, well that, that would be a big threat to big pharma. It would be a big threat to big food. It would be a big threat to big chemicals. It would actually be a big threat to oil, uh, because big oil is how they make. They need oil to make the pharma the pharma drugs. You know, most most pharmaceuticals are you know have some component of uh, you know they're petrochemical uh, drugs. Do you have any optimism that uh, COVID has been just so insane that it's helping wake people up to just the? I, I mean, it is the it's the food, it's the it's the way that this has all been handled. I, I do think there's a silver lining that some people are waking up. I'm yeah. not I'm not convinced it's enough to change things in a major way from a broad societal perspective, uh, but hopefully it's a step on the ladder to. Uh, more awareness Hopefully. of of getting back to natural ways to treat ourselves. Yeah, I hope you know, so. I mean, it's it's been depressing as shit. What's been going on? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's uh, it does feel. I feel like my eyes are open, and the things that my eyes have opened more during COVID for sure. Than they were before. And it feels uh, like it makes a lot of sense the way but, that I see it, but it's all just in. It's all just yeah depressing yeah. and it's hard it's hard it's hard to take that in how i mean maybe that's a place for advice how have you kept how do you keep yourself sane through all of this because i've kind of struggled with that well for, for me my faith yep has going back me. to that uh being closer to family has helped me yeah uh, so obviously spending you know because i wasn't working i was able to spend more time with my boys good uh, chance to try yeah. other activities good chance to try other activities yeah i mean yeah, yeah. I, without my without training and working out, it would have been difficult. Absolutely, absolutely. 
you need to, you know, exercise is critical for mental health. Yeah, I'm telling you. Even even if you're even if you have some of the worst physique and you know not the best uh, you know diet or whatever, if you get out and walk every day, you're gonna you're gonna feel better. One hundred percent. You know, it's it's true with people. It's true with dogs. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, if, yeah. if if you're a living, walking creature, you need to be. Yeah, uh, you stuff. need activity yeah. to stimulate yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, well, Ryan's trying to trying yeah. doing a good job getting me out there. You know, my my fitness has gone to shit through all this. It's definitely been a problem for me. Yeah. You know, so it it is something I need to reconnect with and be more disciplined yeah. about. I, I'm still fighting the fight every day. I'm a sugar addict. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we don't have sugars anonymous, do we? <laughs> but uh, Hi, I'm Ryan. Maybe we should. Maybe we I'm should. Addicted to you know? Chips Ahoy. Yeah. <laughs> Love the Chips. Although they're not nearly as good as they used to be, are they? Uh, no. Because like- because they become more unnatural. There there there's more non food in that food yeah. than there is food. I can eat a lot of Oreos you know? too. And and now they're coming yeah. out with Oreos with like peanut butter flavor and shit, and I'm just like, the gotta, mint flavor. Gotta try that yeah, one. Yeah, they have the Reese's peanut butter cup with the potato chip in it. Tried that the other day because yeah. I'm a sugar addict. You got that yeah. one? You're yeah, laughing about that. Yeah. There, there was a, they got the Oreos that are now uh, covered in fudge. Have you seen this? Oh, like they've been out for a while. Yeah. Fudge around the outside, Jesus! I, I don't walk down that aisle anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to stay on the I keep outside, it out, of, the, keep outside it out of, my, of the grocery store. If I keep it out of the house. I keep it out of my body. Yeah, and that's the best thing for you. Yeah, that's the best thing for you. Yeah, you know, um, I, I don't, I, I don't use canola oil. That's some of the worst oil there is. Yeah, you know, I just we, use we, butter. Yeah, for yeah. all my oil, for all my greasing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Let me uh, let me invite you to talk about your kind of your your business idea. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I the think other that's thing very I, interesting. The other thing I've had to do, I've had more time to focus on, or at least kind of brainstorm, is knowing how difficult it is. I've testified at Congress for less regulation on small credit unions and banks before, and you know, it's the same argument: one size fits all. We wrote all these regulations because Wells Fargo and the Seems big banks did nasty things to people in the uh, in the last financial crisis. Yeah. Now that we're entering our next one, uh, <laughs> uh, and so we so we smack everybody on the head instead of smack the, the the bad players, the bad actors on the head, and make you know. And uh, it's the same argument with medicine. You know, one size doesn't fit all. Yeah. Uh, but seeing how hard it is to move that needle and get progress at the grassroots level if you're not uh, a giant corporation that can spend a billion dollars a year on lobbying uh you know i'm not optimistic that we can change things drastically at the federal level the fda should be broken up they should not be the watchdog of the industry when they're in the patent business when they're in the vaccine and drug business uh, how can they be an effective watchdog? Isn't that like the fox in the hen house? Yeah, total conflict of interest. Uh, so this conflict of interest, uh, they move back and forth. You know, they have, you know, they, they have a great career at Pfizer or Merck, and then they have a great career at the FDA or the CDC, and then they go back. Yeah. You know, that, that incestuousness cannot be beneficial, uh, in, my, in my humble opinion, for public health. Yeah. Um, we should not be combining 
the vaccines like we do, you know, an M and M and an R, just because it makes for fewer trips. How about we postpone some of these vaccines until they're age three and their immune system is fully mature and can tolerate some of these outside invaders a little bit more easily. Anyway, uh, so my idea is I can't fight the machine. I don't think the machine is defeatable through the traditional methods of lobbying and convincing 220 million Americans that this isn't right and we need to fix it. Uh, It was easier in the 70s. We only had less than 50 people die of the Ford Pinto. It was off the market. We had less than 50 people die of the swine flu. It was off the market. But today, because of the Vaccine Act, uh, you know, drug companies don't have the liability. Car makers do. So they have recalls. It's a pretty good deal they set up for themselves. Yeah, they set up, you know, so they have no liability because they told President Reagan and 88 senators who signed the bill, Reagan signed it reluctantly, but he asked, he challenged the pharma industry, why don't you just make a better vaccine? That's not going to make people die like the swine flu vaccine did. And they said, well, actuarially, we can't support it because we'd go broke. You know, even if it's only half of 1%, you know, that lost life that's worth $3 million a shot, you know, boom. Yeah. You know, we'd, you know, we just can't make money. So we wouldn't offer the vaccine. Yeah. So instead of finding way, instead of using technology to make safer vaccines or using common sense to wait until our immune system was mature to give some vaccines uh, where, you know, we haven't put seatbelts on the vaccines. Anyway, so I digress. We're not going to beat the machine. Because the lobbying money is just too powerful. They own both sides of Congress. They own both sides of most state houses, except for a couple dozen maybe uh, in, this, in this great United States of America. Uh, so my idea is we just need to build our own infrastructure that can do an end run around it. Yeah. You know, there, most, most exceptional innovation happens around the existing industry, the existing bureaucracies, yeah. or, or, or what have you. Look a at a space, new path is Look forced. at SpaceX. Yeah. Look at SpaceX. So we need, to do what, uh, we need to do what SpaceX did and say, okay, there's no more government funding for, for these explorations. We're going to find a private way to do it. So my idea is to do all the things we've been doing for Andrew and what other exceptional autism moms and autism dads have been doing uh, for people with disabilities – and building their own infrastructures to serve them. Uh, so that, what does that look like? It looks like an assisted living center where everybody has access to their own vitamin D every day, whenever they want, uh, with, a, with their own patio door. So your, your room has an exterior patio door where you can get outside and get the fresh air and get the sunlight that you need. So you know, just 15 minutes of sunlight a day without sunglasses on, you can manufacture all the vitamin D you need. Uh, you don't even have to take a supplement. Yeah, if you did that, uh, and it would it would have organic farming on site. Get a three acre site that has forty fruit trees on it. So some of your some of your food is 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 locally not just locally sourced but self sourced, and that would give these autistic adults and other developmentally challenged people like with Down syndrome and other uh, cerebral palsy, that would give them something to do that's more fulfilling than watching videos all day. Yeah, uh, or make them healthier. Make, too. make them healthier make too. Give, healthier. Them, give them a purpose. Yeah. Give them a purpose. They can grow their own lettuce. They can grow their own garlic. They can grow their own onions. They can grow their own herbs and spices. You know, and they can have have chickens and 
have it's a, a, it's a sense therapy, of purpose. A more fulfilling life. A more fulfilling life. That would be more fulfilling life for arguably all of us. If yeah. we, you know, World War II, we had victory gardens. And we, we grew 45% of our own food as a nation. Yeah. That's well, a motivated nation. What, what, if, what if we did the same thing? What, 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 if, what, if, what if we had uh, victory gardens for developmentally disabled people at, a, in, at an assisted living care facility? And what if we had a yoga studio? What if we had an art studio? Horse therapy. Uh, what if we had the chiropractor come out once a week? What if we had the acupuncturist come out? What if we had the functional medicine doctor come and, and coach him on how to cook, th- how, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to prepare those avocados a little bit differently instead of the same way every day like I do for Andrew? <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, poor kid. Probably gets boring. <laughs> uh, and what if we had uh, the proper therapies? They, they, some of these people, they need 60 hours of intensive one-on-one therapy per week yeah. to learn some basic skills like clothing themselves, self-feeding uh, and doing, you know, just have more independent living skills. That's what they need. Yeah. Well, and they're, also, not, they're not getting that when a state government contract, when they get handed off to the state because families are financially exhausted, emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. 80% of uh, autistic parents end up in divorce, like me. Uh, and I'm no angel, so you know, I'm part of that statistic, that's for sure. Uh, but what if... They, they had that social engagement that they need. What if they had that, you know, you know just that one, that, the therapies that they needed. And, and in, instead of being thrown to the state into a group, into a contractor-run group home where uh, they're paired up with someone they don't know, they're usually sharing rooms with one or two other roommates, and they're eating crap GMO food. That's, well, that's only making their bodies and their souls more painful. Well, your idea also brings the families together, too. You know, my brother was struggling from traumatic brain injury for mm-hmm. 19 years. And I don't know that I could tell you that we found another fam- maybe maybe there maybe there was. But what the point I'm getting to is mm-hmm. we didn't like hang out with a bunch of other families that had the same struggle you know and this would this kind of brings it, families together as it, well so you have support in other families right. and all that kind of stuff yeah right and it can also be a kind of a nerve center for outpatient so, so yeah. for those that are still taking care of their family member like i am it could be a nerve center for for resources and therapies and and whatnot for for, for people like that so, yeah i think it's fantastic yeah so that's what we want to build, uh, Florida legislatively and administratively, uh, in terms of getting the business license to operate that type of business, is more open-minded to alternative medicine uh, in California. Believe it or not, is that what uh, the so, real motivation was to come here? Or? Prim- primarily, yeah, because yeah. I, 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 I've had this idea in my head since 2011 when I visited Madison Fields in uh, uh, Potomac, Maryland, uh, outside DC. When we were living in D.C., uh, right. it's a it's an equestrian center where autistic adults uh, take care of the horses. They do is all the in, work. Is it in D.C. or is it in outside? Uh, it's in Maryland. outside D.C. Yeah, okay. out, yeah, in the D.C. metro Potomac area. Mills, P- Potomac. I, th- I think it's a Potomac address, but it's yeah, yeah, it's way out there, way beyond the Beltway. Yeah, uh, but not that far beyond the Beltway. Yeah, uh, and uh, beautiful center. It's not a it's not an assisted living center, but that kind of sparked my interest that you know. Just being in the outdoors, yeah, 
and being with nature is very calming for him. You ask, what does Andrew like? He loves the water. He loves horses. He loves being outside in nature. Nice. Yeah. Whether it's the woods, whether it's hiking, whether it's the desert. He just likes being outside in nature. There's he, a good outside walk trail it. down the road here. We should mm-hmm. check out sometime. Yeah, yeah. so I, th- I think we all get some therapy from, you know, from being outside. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you take him to like the pool? You guys got the pool over there. Do you take him to the pool or anything like that? We do go to the pool. He'll splash around. Uh, he'll get knee deep, but not much more. He he can't swim. He's afraid to get in the water. You know, he's we've tried swimming lessons before. Um, the docs think we need to heal the brain first before he can make bigger steps like that. Okay. Yeah. So we're focused on the brain and just getting him out there as much as we can with activities that he does enjoy. Yeah. Uh, he also likes uh, adaptive tricycles, adaptive you know bikes, you know anything that can where he can pedal and yeah and, and work a little bit. Well, we like having him around. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of space over here, yeah. and uh, yeah. it's been nice having you guys. He's he's a joy to be with. He does have a personality. Does yeah. have hopes and dreams and desires. I just don't know what they all are, but he definitely has a sense of humor, and he definitely has the ability to communicate if he's not happy. Yeah, about something right so, be there for him. so we can <laughs> yeah. you know just like all of us yeah it's like absolutely. all of us but so so what we what we're going to do is we're going to build a healing center of some type it, it's going to be all organic it's going to be very focused on homeopathic treatments naturopathic treatments functional medicine as as the foundation uh and we will use pharmaceutical interventions after all the other uh traditional after after all the most effective methods have been attempted. Yeah. Nice. So instead of the bass Ackwards system that we're operating in now as a society, since we can't beat the, the bass Ackward, you know, Pfizer's and Merck's of the world at the lobbying game, we're going to build it the right way. Yeah. Nice. And, and flip and, and flip the switch. Uh, and we're also going to collect data. We're going to hire a university. Uh, and, and the university is going to collect data on the outcomes for these adults that are living in these facilities. And we already know from our experience that the data, you know, not, not just my experience, but experience of thousands upon thousands of autism moms and autism dads that have had way better results than I've had because they got started younger or they had more money because most of this stuff is all out of pocket. Yeah. Uh, we spent about, on average, over the last 15 years, we've spent about $75,000 a year on Andrew. That's, uh, on that's pretty it, heavy. Because hyper, FDA insurance companies, don't, FDA doesn't approve, and insurance companies don't honor uh, hyperbaric therapy, as an example. But it works. Uh, they don't. Uh, they don't. Uh, they don't support fun- functional medicine doctors. So a lot of them take cash only, no insurance. But so I've made tough choices with me personally. Personally, do, do I care more about, you know, building wealth or do I care more about healing Andrew? Yeah. My purpose in life and why I was put here is to heal him. Yeah, good for you. And that's what we're going to do. And I still believe in my heart of hearts. Someday he's going to type on a device, and he's going to be funny as hell. Uh, more, way more cerebral than anybody ever had a clue. Yeah. And he's going to live a much more enriching life than he is today, and certainly a more enriching, more more enriching, fulfilling life than he led, you know, for the last several years prior. That's yeah. a pretty uh, pretty unique story. 
Yeah. 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 And, you know, hopefully we'll obviously we'll be here to watch some of this unfold. And uh, absolutely. It'll, it'll be an absolutely honor to do so. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can tell, but we've we've almost come up on two hours here. <laughs> we did it again. Nice, we did guys. it again. It goes by <laughs> it goes by so fast. Um, we, we, we really appreciate yeah. you taking some time. Yeah. Seriously. I, I do have a couple books to recommend if I brought them with me. If, if you're an autism mom, I'm sorry. If you're an autism mom, autism dad. Here's a good book by an autism dad. How to End the Autism Epidemic by J.B. Handley. Uh, Exceptional summary of what's wrong with our system and what he's done to make it right for his son. Perfect. Uh, Phenomenal progress, unheard of progress that that I can only dream of someday having with my son, Andrew. Uh, Another great resource. uh, I know you're in there, Winning Our War Against Autism by Marsha Hines. And I've met both these people. Uh, I've met Marsha. I have not met JB in person, but uh, met him on a Zoom call. But uh, uh, Marsha uh, has had similar, you know, dark of night versus, you know, bright sunny day success with her son. And she is also connected to exceptional uh, naturopath uh, practitioners nationwide. So if you live anywhere in the U.S., she probably knows somebody that's an hour away, maybe two hours away if you live in a, in a very rural area. But uh, she's, she's got a network uh, because she's been out there uh, with, with her Autism One conferences that her and a, and a super group of people that sponsor the Autism One conferences, and they move around. Uh, they, 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 sh- they do those annually, maybe every six months. But uh, two great resources if people want to uh, read up more about you know, how and why I might have gone down the path I've gone down and why I'm going to keep pursuing that path. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome. Dang. Perfect. Thank you very much. Hope it helps somebody out there. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Patrick. Thanks. 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 We'll see you later. Nice. Ooh, that's pretty good.